0: As we continue our time of worship. I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 1. But before I do, I wanted to, to drop a quote on you that I just read yesterday from a book that I'm reading on preaching. And it, it blew my mind because it Really aligns with, I think, where my heart and Matt's heart is at when it comes to standing here and proclaiming God's word. You see, we want you to be knowledgeable in Scripture, we want you to understand the nuances, we want you to know the mysteries that God has revealed about Himself in Scripture. But having that knowledge without the heart behind it is dangerous. Having that knowledge without the move of God in your life leads to arrogance. But on the flip side, we're not also driven solely by emotions. Because too much emotions and we have no foundation. Our foundation is scripture. So let me encourage you this morning. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow the words to transform both your mind and your heart. Let that be your desire as much as it is our desire when we proclaim and preach and and read God's word, that it would not only transform our mindset, but that our hearts and affections would be more on Christ. So First John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, let us read. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins if we say we have no sin we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say that we have not sinned We make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let us pray. Father God, the charge here in first John is strong. Let us abide in Christ. Let us embed ourselves in the nature and character of who he is as revealed through his word that we may be in the light Let us not deceive ourselves, but let us boldly and humbly come before the throne of grace, saying, Abba, Father. Mm. Let us cry out for your mercy, which is rich. Let us look to Christ with all love and affection and not get distracted by the things of this world. Lord, as we hear your word proclaimed as our act of worship, Holy Spirit, we invite you to change and transform our hearts and our minds for you. Mm. Let us walk away this morning more in love with Jesus Amen. than we can. Amen. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor Bruce. Thanks for that challenge. As, uh We're getting ourselves ready. I'm going to send our kids over here with our teachers. They're waiting for you. As you guys head that way, I'm going to ask that the rest of you get out your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5 for me today. Ephesians chapter 5, and as you're going there, I'm going to uh, call out on a first-time visitor. Now, all the first-time visitors in here are probably sweating just a little bit, Think I'm going to call you out in front of everybody, but it's actually Kylie Ray, and she's back in that far corner. She was born on June 7th, correct? Woo! And uh, we are welcome here for the very first time. So glad to have her with us. And, you know, as Pastor Bruce just read from 1 John chapter 1, it ties in very well with what we are talking about today in Ephesians chapter 5. A couple of weeks ago, we started Ephesians chapter 5. We took a break. We sweated a lot at the park. And now we're back inside the air conditioning and back to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be doing verses 3 through 14. As you heard Pastor Bruce read, you will have heard him say these words, and I'm going to say them to you again because I think they're just that important for us to let soak in as we dive into Ephesians 5. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you: God is light. If you're going to underline anything in that passage. Underline that. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. Our walk worthy series is the second half of the book of Ephesians. And it is in response to the first half of the book of Ephesians and those blessings and riches that were given to us that we're told about in those first three chapters. Now, in that, we are told we are made worthy. We are made worthy by the grace of God, and we are challenged to walk worthy by that same grace of God. And as we do, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to walk? Well, in the Bible, what it talks about when it's saying walk, it's saying this, to live your life, to live one's life, to take that next step and as we progress and move towards that final end goal. And the final end goal really is to be more like Jesus. It's to be more like Jesus, not just today, but more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And the same thing goes for tomorrow until the end of our lives. We're to walk like Christ, it says. We're to become like Christ. As a matter of fact, the word Christian, some of you probably know this already. When it was first used, and we find it in the book of Acts, it was actually a derogatory term. It was mocking people who followed Christ. And the word Christian actually meant little Christ. And they were making fun of those who followed Christ because they looked so much like him. That should be our goal as well. Paul takes it actually even a step further in us looking like him and living like him because our old self is gone. The new self has come, as we talked about in Ephesians 4. Paul takes it a step further in the beginning of chapter 5 that we talked about two weeks ago, and he started off with the word therefore. And we talked about therefore, and the reason why it's there is because you are made new. Therefore, because you are made new, the next words were be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And he says the first way we imitate God is to walk In love. To walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Be an imitator of Christ. Be an imitator of God. Be that little Christ is what he's challenged us to do. But then he lays out a second way. Not just walk in love, but then to walk in light. Walk in light. As we saw in that passage from 1st John, God is light. We're to imitate him so we walk in light. Walk in light or live in the light of the Lord. That's where our passage pick up today in chapter 5 verse 3. So let's read that together. It says, but sexually, or sorry, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for the saints. By the way, this is a PG 13 message. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. "'For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners.' For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. As imitators of God, we're to walk as children of the light. Why? Well, you saw, as it said in 1 John, God is light. But if you also flip over to John chapter 8, verse 12, you'll see what Jesus says about being the light. He says these words, as he said, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. There's that word walk. Live your life in Him. Anyone who follows Jesus will not live their lives in the darkness, but instead they're going to live their lives in the light. They're going to have the light of life. And let me tell you something. It is impossible. It is impossible for anyone or anything to be both in light and darkness at the same time. It's either one or the other. Now, some of you are probably looking up here going, okay, He hasn't mentioned these lamps yet and why they're on his, his thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not blind where I can't see. These aren't up here for that purpose. And you might also be going, okay, one is plugged in and one is not. What is the purpose of that? Well, as we're going to see here, and I'm just going to give you a quick, quick, uh, explanation to why they're here. We have one that is plugged into the power and that power brings light. The other is not. There's nothing it can do on its own to have light. This is an illustration of us, either plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit or not. We are either the light or we are in darkness. These are not the same. They may look the same, but they are not the same because the power makes it different. And when we have the power of Christ in us, we become different. throughout the message, you're going to see that sometimes things get into our lives. Sometimes things pollute us. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember... um, a couple of years ago we had all the forest fires all around and all the forest fires made it really hazy and just a little bit dark here that pollution blocked the light. I have friends that live back in Virginia and my, my dad lives in West Virginia and they're talking about all the smoke and like welcome to the last 10 years of our life. Okay, you guys might get Canadian wildfires. We got them straight from California. All of it was here, just hanging out. But that pollution blocks it. And you'll see that some of the pollution that we find in Scripture that gets into our lives creates us to be, you know, just a little bit more dim. And the dimmer we get, the more we look like the world. We need to live in the light. So as we begin to look at that, I guess the question is, is what does that mean? how do we walk in the light? How do we live in the light? What does that look like? Well, I have three things for you. They're not going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to mention each of them over the points here so you don't have to scramble to write them down. But the first thing is this, live for God and not for yourself. That's how we live in the light. Live in the light and not in the darkness. That's kind of the well dust statement. And then there's live as children of the light and expose the lies that are in the darkness. That's the three things that Paul challenges us with in our passage. So let's look at the first one together. Live for God and not for self. Live for God and not for self. Here's what I think. This is probably the foundational teaching for Christian living. Realizing that it is not about you, it's not about your passions. It's not about your desires. It's not about the appetites you feel like you need to fill. It is all about him. And I truly believe if humanity, especially within the church, believed that and knew that, this world will be a whole lot different. This world will be a whole lot different. it would be a different place altogether. And Paul, I love Paul. I love his writings. I love my favorite passages in all of scripture found in Paul's writings. He comes right out and he punches us right in the gut with the very first verse that we read. He he, he tells it very bluntly and plainly. He says, this is what those who live a dark life look like. This is what we are to avoid. And as we begin to look at it, he says, they live a life that is full of sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, all of which are uncontrolled appetites as well as filthy, foolish talk. These sins grow out of a heart that has replaced God with what we might call, oh, temporary or functional saviors, things that, that fill the need at the time being that, that we think that we have to have. And if you look at what Paul says to the church, by the way, remember this is being written to the church in verse three, these things should not even be heard of among you, shouldn't even be heard of among you as is proper for the saints. Now, when I see that word saints there, you might go back to the very beginning when we started looking at Ephesians chapter one, which is well before even Easter. We were, we talked about the word saints. What does it mean to be a saint? Well, that it means the set apart ones, those who've been set apart from the world, set apart from the darkness by God, who is light. First Peter two nineteen reminds us this, but you people of God are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. That is how we should be living. That is how we should be responding. Well, he says here, stop going back to the darkness. Stop living in the pollution. It's not proper because you are a believer. You are a follower of Christ. That is not where we belong. So let's take a closer look and some of these things that we, as followers of Christ, should be leaving behind. Well, things that should not be a part of our lives. And yes, we're going to dive right into it because Paul dove right into it. The first thing he says is sexual immorality and any kind of impurity. Sexual immorality and any kind of impurity. You would think he wrote this, what, 2,000 years ago, that things would have changed in the last 2,000 years. But guess what? It has not. Because sin is sin is sin. And I will tell you the same thing. Paul tells you sexual immorality is a sin. It is a sin. And that's not a statement that people like to hear, especially coming out of the month of June. But sexual immorality is a sin. And I know there's pastors out there that are going to put asterisks on it, and they're going to say, but, you know, I know... They're going to make excuses and apologies. The word of God does not need our excuses or our apologies. As a matter of fact, Vodibacham says it best when he said, "I will not violate the teaching of the text in order to somehow sound more appropriate for the culture." We have to look at this and see what it says. And here's what we see: Paul saying sexual immorality is a sin, and he said it to a culture that had already become sexually obsessed they are so sexually obsessed that it was involved in their religion. It was involved in their temple worship. They had temple prostitutes specifically to worship their gods. And Paul is writing to the church to say, hey, we got to get rid of that. And as he writes it, he uses this word pornea. And maybe you've heard that word before. It sounds a lot like a word we have today, which is pornography. And he goes into it a lot broader than just what we think of as pornography. We think of the visual, we think of the things that we see, the sex acts and such. He goes and says, no, it's any sexual sin. And any sexual sin would be defined biblically as a sin outside of the context of a God-defined one-man, one-woman marriage. That is what we're seeing here. There's no pulling any punches from Paul, and we can't water it down and say, well, but. No, there's no well buts in this one. We have to see that it, this is exactly what the Bible is talking about. And he's referring to so many other things the Bible had already listed. First one is this word called fornication. Now, if you're a KJV-only kind of person, that's a word for you. Fornication. It means don't sleep around with your boyfriends and girlfriends. Don't do that. It also includes lust, which would be in that pornography realm. It includes adultery, which means cheating on your spouse. Homosexuality is also included that. I know that's not what people want to hear. Bestiality. Don't ask me about that one. Prostitution. (laughs) Prostitution. But the the sad thing is, even as we jokingly say that, there's stories that have been coming out. I'm not sure if you saw the story about the Penn State professor. I'm just going to leave it at that. If you haven't and you want to look it up, do what you got to do. Paul says, though, we got to put those things to death. He didn't say specifically in Ephesians, but if you look at Colossians 3, 5, Galatians 5, 19, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, he basically says these words. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. That would include sexual immorality, same word. Impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. If you were doing these things, you know what he's saying? Stop. Stop it. In the power of Christ, you have the power. Stop it. Stop living for yourself and live for him. Stop it. If you were a child of God, live as one. The unplugged light, it doesn't have the power. The plugged in one does. We have to live that way. And let me, just, let me just say this. Let me just say this very clearly. If you're involved with or struggling with any of these things that I've just listed, you are welcome here. We're not lying when we say the words come as you are. As a matter of fact, it wasn't too long ago, we had a letter from somebody who was moving out from California, it was a uh, lesbian couple, said, hey, we saw on your website that it said, come as you are, we're so grateful that you're accepting, blah, 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 so on and so forth. We'd like to come and visit your church. Well, I said, I'm going to respond to that letter, so they're very clear on where we stand, that yes, they are welcome here, and come as you are is a part of our slogan, but there's a second part, and that is, Be changed. Because God's going to meet you right where you're at, but he's not going to leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you where he finds you. He's going to change your heart. He's going to change your mind. He's going to change your ways. You're going to be living in the light. I didn't get a response back. Well, the elders didn't. I, that was, that's one of the beauty of having elders. Like, here you go, guys. Write, write a letter back to that. Um, and, and so as we look at that, I want you to understand that Paul's making this point. Live for God and not for self. And the world's going to tell you differently. I'm not sure if you saw the quote that we posted earlier this week on our Paragon social media. But it was a quote that said these words. You be you is Satan's counterfeit to God's be holy as I am holy. I don't want to be me. God has saved me from me. I stand with Paul when he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I look at that idea of just put to death. Stop this. You be you. This morning I was reading through Isaiah. It's part of my reading plan. And uh, these words stood out to me. It wasn't part of my original message, so they won't be on the screen. But it says this in Isaiah 1, 16 through 17, as Isaiah is speaking to God's people. Wash yourselves, clean yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight. And the next three words are huge. Stop doing evil. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. See, we live in a world that struggles with anything outside of themselves. We live in a culture that struggles with anything outside of themselves because for how many years now have we heard the things like this where it says, you are perfect the way you are. Loving yourself is virtuous. Listen to your heart because it is right. It is not. But this is what we're going to hear. Nothing's more important than you being happy. That thinking stands in complete opposition to the gospel message that tells you that you are a sinner and you need to repent, which means turn from those sins and turn to God. That is the gospel message. And that's why Paul writes this, and he writes it again to the church. And here's something else we need to see. Those things that we listed, they're outward actions. Sometimes we try and legislate morality, and we say, hey, these are the outward actions. It's not just political, all this stuff. It goes so much deeper. It is a heart issue it is a sin issue. And we need to see the change of a heart, not change of laws. We need to see a change of a heart to understand who God is and what he has done. As a matter of fact, Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mountain uh, in Matthew 5, 28, when he says that everything comes from the heart. The lust starts in the heart. All of these things start in the heart. And that was just sexual immorality. The next thing he says is any sort of impurity. And he's talking about any type of filth. As a matter of fact, the Greek word here, and I'm not a Greek person, I'm just thankful for commentaries that tell me how to read these things, is actually the word for catharsis or um, cathartic, which means to cleanse or to purge, especially from the bowels. Now, Paul using that word, it sounds like, oh, he's saying to cleanse it. No, he actually uses a prefix on there, which means it's the opposite, which means instead of cleansing out the stuff that comes from the bowels, And I'll let you fill in whatever word you choose to use right there. We are actually soaking it in. We're taking in. We are the ones. Now, we already talked about sex, so we might as well get a little gross here too. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been a little backed up before. But imagine what that does to your body. Think about the pain that that causes in you and just how you just don't feel right. Well, that's what Paul is saying here. When we're taking this stuff in, we're all backed up and it's building up inside of us and it is literally polluting us, polluting us morally. And that pollution, pollution continues to build up and it begins to cause our lives to spin out of control, spin out of control in habitual sin and obsessions and addictions. Now there's an old term um, I don't even know if they still use it or not. When I first started uh, going to computer lab when I was a kid, anybody else have the mobile computer lab that came up that was just a bunch of old uh, Commodore 64s and it was just the green screen and you had to take a disc in and take a disc out and flip the disc, go, all that kind of stuff like that. Anybody remember that? But they had a term that was called garbage in, garbage out. That's how a computer works. Whatever you put in, that's what's going to come out. Well, that's what's going on inside of our brains and that's what's going on inside of our bodies. Paul's saying here, we got to keep the pollution out that were coming off an entire month, an entire month that was nothing but pollution. And man, they were persistent. And because people become so desensitized to it all, we didn't care. Well, I shouldn't say we. Many didn't care. And the thing is, is as we don't care, we see the perversion get worse and worse, and it grows more and more. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked in the end of Ephesians 4 when it says, The desire for that sin just grows more and more. They just wanted it, and it gets worse. And as it gets worse, here's the thing. All of this unhealthy garbage that we are polluted with, they're saying, hey, this is healthy. This is good. This is normal. This is acceptable, and you need to believe it. And even in the church, they bought that lie. That sounds really discouraging. But again, reading this week, came across John chapter one. Not first John chapter one that we already read. John chapter one, where it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not and will not overcome it. When I think about that, I'm excited that the darkness will not overcome it. And, and I, I begin to look at this whole passage, and, and I, I think about the teachings that are out there, and the darkness is in there. Paul gives us a very stern warning in, in verse 6. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things even within the church. Those beliefs and those thoughts. And we're going to get to that here in a minute, but let me just tell you this. As followers of Christ, we have to put to death our sin in our own lives and flee from it, because ultimately, it's idolatry. You're saying, I care more about that than I do about God. I care more about those things, and it's, it's like greed that we're going to talk about next. Sexual sin is a result of lifting ourselves up and our desires up and not honoring God. Our lives They are truly an overflow from our heart. And if your life is about you and your desires, you got a worship problem. You got a worship problem because that's where it flows from is our heart. Next up on the chopping block, Paul writes the word greed. Now you might be thinking, oh good, we are done with sexual immorality. Let's get on to greed. How great is that? Well, the problem is, is greed actually is just an insatiable appetite for anything that's not God. So it actually includes sex and things like it. It's a constant desire for more. It's a coveting. A coveting of something that you don't have. By the way, I think God mentioned something about to not to uncoveting somewhere, oh, like oh, maybe the Ten Commandments. And then when we do that, we actually break another one of the Ten Commandments when he says, Hey, don't have any other gods before me. Greed, like lust and sexual sin, guess what? It's another heart issue. It's desiring something more than you desire God. It is idolatry at its very core. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus talks about idolatry, and he gives a parable about it in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says these words, watch out and be on guard. Watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. He goes on to talk about that that farmer who had built bigger barns because he had harvested so much, and he says, hey, guess what? By the end of all of this, your life's going to be gone tonight. It's not about you and your stuff. Stop living like that. And I think the reason why Jesus says watch out is because... I've never met a person that thinks they're greedy. I never have. Greed is sneaky like that. It's one of the seven deadly sins, but we don't ever really dive into that one. I mean, I've i have I, I've been a pastor for a long time, and, and those of you who have done pastoral work that are sitting in here as well, in all my years of people coming to me and confessing their sins and saying, would you pray for me? Would you help me through this? Greed was never one of the things they ever mentioned. Pastor Matt, I am just so greedy. Can you help me with that? I'm like, yeah, the Tide box is right over here. And, and you know, I, th- th- that's, it's never been a conversation that I've had to have with somebody because nobody thinks they're greedy. I mean, we've sung a song before lots of times. It's a popular one, um, over long times, but it says, This is the air I breathe. It says, This is the air I breathe. And your presence living in me, th- that's what I want. The thing is that that might be a song, but I think the reality in this materialistic culture is that greed, is the air that we breathe. Even in the church, there's churches that actually promote greed. They say, hey, you name it, you claim it. That's not God's way. That's man's way. That's man's way to try and get for themselves. Let me just say this because we have a lot more to cover today and we're not even through the first verse. The God of money and the God of stuff, no matter what you might find on Prime Day on the 11th and 12th, will not ultimately satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is the unlimited, everlasting Savior, not temporary stuff. And I'm not saying don't make money. Make money. Thank God for that money and use that money for the right purposes as you worship God alone. Our next thing, obscene or foolish talk or crude joking. Now, we covered this a couple of weeks ago because Paul mentioned at the end of chapter four. So I'm going to keep it short, but I will say this. I love learning new things when I study. The word that Paul uses here, and I'm going to butcher it because I'm not a Greek person. Bruce, you're happy to correct me. But it's morologia or mora And in it, logia or logos is word or, or your um, talk. Moro, if you add an end to it, you get where we get our word, moron. So we're actually saying, quit talking like a moron. I love it. I'm going to get that bumper sticker on my car. Quit talking like a moron. And then he says, by the way, also quit twisting everything you hear into an innuendo. Instead, Paul says for us to do something else. Look what verse four says. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable for those saints, but rather what? What are those next two words? Giving thanks or thanksgiving. Hey, it's not November. What are we doing? I'd like for it to be November right now. The temperature should be so much better and... Sweat of weather. You know, all of that would be great. But here, here's what we're seeing. It's saying, give thanks. Next week, we're going to talk about one of my two favorite passages in all of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. But today, I'm going to mention the other. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, where it says, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know what he's telling the church of Thessalonica to do there? He's saying this Is what we should be a people of, a people of rejoicing, a people of praying, and a people of giving thanks. This is what we should be known for, a vocabulary of thanksgiving, not a vocabulary of obscene talk or foolish moron talk. That stuff's got to go. And we'll look more at that in a couple of weeks because we see it again in verses 18 through 21 of chapter 5. But the truth is, moron talk really fits with everything else. It's all self-centered. It's all self-centered centered ways of thinking. Sexual sin, greed, foolish talk. These are the ways we sin to gratify ourselves. We gratify our sinful desires. But why does it matter? Why does it matter? Well, look at these next two verses that Paul says in verses five and six. For know and recognize this, very bluntly, plainly, to the point. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Paul says it as bluntly as you possibly can. I don't know how people twist this. Maybe they just remove it. They just kind of like, it's come as you are, is fine. But the be changed part, we don't need to deal with that. Maybe that's what they do here. But how do you miss this? People who are engaged in blatant and perpetual sinful lifestyles that are immoral, impure and greedy have no share in the kingdom of heaven and God's wrath is coming on them. That doesn't mean we lose our salvation if we fall into temptation in some moment of weakness or another. God knows we sin. We know we sin. As a matter of fact, that's what Pastor Bruce read up front. We read verses five through seven. Verse eight says, those who think they don't sin are lying to themselves. And they're also calling God a liar. Instead, what's it tell us to do? Confess your sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Remember, that's one of the things that's mentioned here is that idea of God is truth, God is light, God is righteousness. He's gonna cleanse us from our unrighteousness. The difference is found whether or not we blatantly live in that. If we're blatantly rebellious, if we're deliberately persistent in living in that sin because we say, I am more important than God. My desires are more important than God. Do we reject the Lord and his teachings? The question we have to ask ourselves. I'm afraid a lot of people have created a God of who they want to be God. They've taken bits and pieces of what the Bible talks about, but they left other parts out. Instead of submitting to who God actually is, they make up their own. And if you're wondering... If you fall into which category, maybe ask yourself this. If your version of God never offends you or never challenges you, you might just be worshiping a better version of yourself. That's it. We have to get rid of that. Do you really know God, and do you really know his son Jesus? Because if you do, you will be changed by him. Have you been changed by him? Well, that leads to verse 7 through 10. Our second point, live in the light, not in the darkness. As we see our lights here, our lamps here, live in the light, not in the darkness. Paul lays out what the lifestyle of a life in the darkness looks like. And then he says this in verse seven, therefore, do not become their partners. Do not become their partners. Don't get caught up in their ways. Live or walk, either way is an action, by the way, in the light. You know what darkness looks like, don't go there. That's basically what he's saying. Yes, we're supposed to be salt and light in a dark and decaying world. Jesus makes that very clear in Matthew 5. But our mission does not include us participating in the sins of unbelievers, those sins that are listed above. And we'll see at the end of the passage, as a matter of fact, as we are the light in that community, we're supposed to expose those, not participate in them. Look at verse 8. It says, For for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, there's some wording here that we need to recognize, that we need to see. I think I've read this passage, I don't even know how many times, because the Ephesians is probably one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. I've always read it in this way. You were once in darkness. But guess what? The word in is not there. I think I put that in myself. Because what it's saying is you once were darkness. Which means there was no hope for you. There's no hope because there's no power. You're not plugged into anything. You are wandering in the darkness, and that is where we find you. That is where God finds you, as a matter of fact. You once were darkness. That means you were a part of the problem. Apart from the riches of God's grace that we found in chapters 1 through 3, we are wandering in the black, the pitch black, with no hope. We were trapped in the dungeon of our sin. We couldn't find our way out. We were shallow. We were superficial. We were selfish, both in private and in public. We had no shame for our self-centeredness. The only change that was happening in us was we were actually getting worse. We were powerless. We were helpless. We were hopeless. We were lost. And we were confused. But there was those two words we saw in chapter two. What are they? But God. But God, he pierced through the darkness of our souls and the darkness fled. We now have a new life. We now have a new identity. We now have a new heart. We walk as children of the light. Well, what does that look like? Look at verse nine. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit of the light, similar to the fruit of the spirit that are mentioned in Galatians. It's produced in us when the light or the spirit actually dwells in us. God is good. God is righteous. God is true. That's why it says the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Well, guess what? As imitators, you know what we should be? We should be good and righteous and true. That's what we should be doing. Those who walk as children of light will do what is pleasing to the Lord. As a matter of fact, verse 10 says, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. You ever ask yourself that question? When you go to make a decision, is this going to please the Lord or is this going to please me? You might say no to a lot more things. But oftentimes it's because we care about ourselves. We don't care about what's pleasing to God. And Paul goes on to say, you know, can't bow down to these gods of culture. I mean, go back to Daniel chapter 3. Three gentlemen, Rakshak and Benny, because nobody can produce or pronounce their names properly, but VeggieTales did it for us. Rakshak and Benny, Daniel chapter three, they did not bow down. They didn't care what the outcome was for appeasing men or even the government. They cared about what God thought. That was it. Will what we do please the Lord? Paul goes on to say, hey, it's not just about avoiding it either. It's about exposing it. Point three, live as children of the light. Expose what lies in the darkness. We're to let our light shine and we're to confront the darkness. We're to confront the darkness. It says this in verse 11, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Now, that is an interesting verse to me because I'm not sure if you paid attention at all of what happened over the last month, but there are some disgusting things that happened in public. They were discussing things that happened at parades. They were discussing things that happened at the White House, on social media. I can't even honestly believe that it would even happen. 10 years ago, it never would have happened. But again, things just get worse. People do what is right in their own eyes. I don't know how many times you've seen that in scripture. And they aren't even a slight bit embarrassed by it. That's the scary thing. Actually, the scary thing is, is that if they're doing that in public, what are they doing in secret? Oh, it says in the Bible not for us to talk about that, so we won't, okay? It seems that the response should be from the church. We need to expose that and point them to who Jesus is. But the response lately from the church is, why should I care? It's not a big deal. Grace covers all sin. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Well, Paul talks about that. We'll get into that another time. But the truth is, the works of darkness are destructive to everyone participating in them as a Christian, it has a devastating effect both to Christians and non-Christians. That's where the word hypocrite comes into play. As a matter of fact, the dimmer our light gets, the more we look like the world. And the more we look like the world, the more confused the world comes. And they say, I thought you said you had a life change, but you look the exact same as me. That's a problem. God has called us, to be a light in the darkness to be that salt in a decaying world when we fail to re- reflect when we fail to imitate the goodness and the righteousness and the truth of God we leave people wandering in the pitch black darkness of wickedness unrighteousness and deception so the question would be how do we expose the darkness how do we live in that light by walking in the light what does that look like well when we live in the light we expose what is done in the dark when we live in honesty we expose dishonesty. When we we live with integrity, we expose indecency. When we live in righteousness, we expose unrighteousness. When we live in goodness, we expose evil. As a matter of fact, here's a crazy thing. Sometimes I'll pull out the thesaurus and try and find a word that I actually know what it means when they have a word written down. But every single one of these words for the opposite of when I said the light, the honesty, the integrity, the righteousness, the goodness. You know what one of the antonyms was for every single one of those words? Evil. Everything, that was, that was Miriam Webster. that's not me. Every single one of those things, the opposite was evil. We're supposed to expose the evil. And I'm not sure if you're a fan of Lego Batman or not. It's probably one of my favorite animated films. But there's a scene in it where he's supposed to go to a party and he doesn't want to. He wants to go to bed, and Alfred opens the blinds. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, sir. And the light hits him and he goes, and that response is what I see happening in the world. For those of you who are just listening online and not actually watching, that was probably really weird. But (laughs) the the thing that you see is it, 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 it caught him by surprise. It hurt his eyes, but it revealed what was going on. And that's how we need to be. Because as we do, we have to look at the potential results. And that's what Paul mentions in verses 13 and 14. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is the light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is very clear here. There are times that we need to speak up against injustices of the world and, and the evil that is prevalent in society. But we must back up our talk with our walk. Live like you should. Walk worthy of the calling that you have received. That's what it said in Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. In the same way it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works. And you know what the result is when they see your good works? They give glory to God who's in heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. Saying it right up front. It's all about Him. Maybe. Our life in the light could be used by God to draw someone from the darkness. They can see sin for what it is, turn to the only one who can save them from it. That's why it says, wake up, oh sleeper. Rise from the dead. I don't know who actually sang the song to begin with, but I know Michael Buble did a cover of it. It says, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and I'm feeling good. I know that wasn't his message, but man, it fits this right here. Rise up from the dead. Wake up, O sleeper. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. You have a new life. And I'll tell you what, you get rid of that pollution, you're going to be feeling good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the way you continue to work in us and through us. And God, we're thankful. As it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Today, God, we come before you as sinners who've been saved by your grace, but God, we continue to live in the flesh far too often and that pollution gets into us. Today, we confess our sins to you. And maybe even take the word S, S, off, or the letter S off, and we confess our sin to you. Because all of it is disgusting to you. All of it keeps us from you. But because of your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for those sins, we get to have a relationship with you. God, for those in here who have a relationship, I pray for a time of confession, even today. And God, you would honor that promise, that you would be faithful and just, forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. And for those who don't know you, who are not plugged into the power, God, may they meet you today. May your name be glorified that as we shine our light, that you will be the end result. God, we're excited we get to be here today. Thanks for tough passages Help us to process it, use it, and live it out as we walk worthy of you. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to jump down here in the front, and I would love to talk to you. If you're struggling in some area of sin in your life, and you're like, I don't even know what to do, let's talk about it. If you're being greedy, be the first person that's ever talked to me about it. (laughs) If if, uh, you're just struggling with whatever thing it might be, can I tell you also, don't be embarrassed and say, well, I can't walk up there. Every person in this room has struggles. They're not going to look at you and be like, oh, obviously. Okay. Come and talk to me. Let's talk together. Let's pray together as we sing this last song.